This is John J. York, Eric from the 80s TV show Werewolf the Series, and you're listening to the DETV Podcast. Welcome to the Dead TV Podcast, a podcast dedicated to any and all canceled television shows in the sci-fi, fantasy, and horror genre. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm Mr. Seneca. And apparently there is a podcast out there that talks about not so much canceled shows, but like, I guess they're talking about like shows that, no, they're talking about anything that uh-huh. has been canceled. I heard them on another podcast. I didn't catch the name. I got to go back and re-listen to the episode or contact one of the hosts and be like, hey, who did you have on the podcast? from um who did you have on your show from a podcast that talked about canceled television shows and they're covering like anything that was canceled too they're not covering short-term shows but they're not covering it apparently episode by episode either okay so how is this a comparison to ours they're can- talking about canceled tv shows we're the only ones who are allowed to do that you have to go find them no, and destroy no, no, no. their servers no 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 no, we we do episode by episode and horror, sci-fi, fantasy. You know, it it's it's cannot have it's, any competition. We must destroy them. No, no, no. Everyone's voices are valid here, and nope. if if they're able to get more people on their show than we can get on ours, well, then good on them. But I think we've done pretty well in trying to get the werewolf, uh, the serious folks on the on the radio here. Okay, you go about your plan. I'll go about mine. <laughs> Speaking of Werewolf the Series, we have episode four to talk about. Mr. Seneca has a plot synopsis for this very brief episode. <laughs> Season one, episode four, The Black Ship, originally aired August 1st, 1987. Eric locates Otto Renfield, a crippled old sailor who knows Scorzeni and promises to help Eric find him. But Renfield betrays Eric and traps him in the hold of his ship for Scorzeni to have later. And Mr. Zeneca had some comparisons to Dracula about this episode. Um, John's looking for uh, Scorzani, and he meets up with an old man, and they stay on the boat for most of the episode. <laughs> they really, there's not much else, other settings in this episode, really. It's this boat, and it's a chit-chat between John and uh, this Redfield guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I draw the comparison between this episode and uh Bram Stoker's Dracula because why would you choose the name Renfield as your character name in this episode if there wasn't a comparison but farther than that uh Scorzeni uses this man that he has been a long-term friend slash uh bad doer you know a, I don't know what you call that he wasn't a partner in crime because Scorzeni did most of the crimes but he was there. He was an assistant. He helped him do these things, these atrocities. So just like Renfield in Bram Stoker's Dracula helps Dracula survive and, and you know, get out of get out of things, help it helps him in various ways. This auto Renfield does the same thing. And both Renfields want the power of their masters. 
but are always denied it. And so even at the end of this episode, when Renfield gets attacked by Sorgazeni and he's slashed and left for dead, but yet if you survive that slashing, you will become a werewolf. He Renfield has a change of heart and doesn't actually want to be a werewolf. He sees that this is a curse. Being a werewolf is not like being a vampire. And also he's an old man and werewolves don't seem to have immortality. Whereas if like Dracula had turned Renfield into a vampire, like say in the Nicolas Cage movie recently, I say that because it came out this year. um, That would be fine. Uh, You know, Nicholas Holt, by the way, uh, who who played recently Renfield in a classic homage to the old Bela Lugosi films, and then it becomes like a comedy. Um, he did you hear who he was just cast as? No. Nicholas Holt, who played Renfield, and most recently he was Doctor Henry McCoy, the younger version of the Beast. He will be playing Lex Luthor in the upcoming Superman Legacy. No. Oh. Hmm. I I don't imagine his face is the type of Lex Luthor face, but. And we'll see what his acting skills can do. I honestly think they should have cast Michael Rosenbaum again because he is now old enough to be like that older, you know, that like that much, you know, older Lex Luthor who would be older than Clark, you know, by a few years. And mm-hmm. it would have been perfect casting. You know what I mean? Another missed opportunity for Lex Luthor that always has missed people, Billy Zane. Billy Zane should have been cast as Lex Luthor a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to agree with that. Billy Zane is an awesome actor, and he does play villains very well. Now, there was a movie that came out last year called The Invitation about a girl who does, like, a, um, a DNA test, and she finds out she's related to these old, rich, white people in England, and she goes there to investigate it, and she finds out that her her, her side of the family is the lost side of the family, like the black side that went away. I think she's a mixed race. And um, she comes to find out that, shock and behold, the guy that's trying to bed her and wed her is, of course, Count Dracula. There's a Renfield in that as well, by the way. It's not very obvious until you watch the show. This version of Renfield, by the way, we have seen before in a werewolf movie. He was the actor who played... Are you, are you talking about the actor that plays uh, Otto Renfield? Uh, the Ron actor Giroc? who plays Renfield in The Invitation was also in a werewolf movie. So we've had oh. Renfields in werewolves before, but not the same character. Just It's just coincidence that we're talking about a werewolf show. And Sean Pertwee, who played Alfred Pennyworth on Gotham for five seasons, mm-hmm. he played a werewolf in uh, Soldier in Dog Soldiers, and he was Renfield recently in The Invitation. Oh, okay. Yeah, so kind of weird coincidence I had to bring up. But who plays our version of Renfield in this? Sure. Uh, our Renfield is played by Stefan Girosh, who has unfortunately passed on in 2014. Uh, but he is best known for being uh, Mayor Jason Hobart in the High Plains Drifter and Mr. Morton in the Carrie movie from the 70s. The Carrie movie? Like, oh, like yeah. the Stephen King movie. 1976 Carrie. Yeah. You know, I've never, I, I just recently discovered, um, the new Stephen King book, Holly. Uh, have you heard of this book? I have not. It's based, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a spinoff of the Mr. Mercedes trilogy of a main character that helps, who helps out the detective who hunts down the, uh, various killers in those film, in those books. Cause those are like crime books with obviously a, a darker tone to them because they're written by Stephen King. Um, and I really want to read it. And it just, you know, it's funny you mentioned Stephen King. And I was like, how did I miss these? And a couple have been made into TV movies and TV series. And now Holly is out in the bookstores. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, here's four Stephen King books I haven't read. 
Well, also, Mr. Gosh has had an appearance in another series that I reviewed, Brimstone. So he played Charles Reed in one episode in of Brimstone. Brimstone. Oh, yeah, 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 the, the yeah. show that you reviewed. Gotcha. Yeah, while we were doing Reaper. He was also in The Rockford Files and Touched by an Angel. He's played a lot of little bit characters here and there. In the movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito Jr., he played Edward Sawyer. So he's he's had a long career. Cool. But unfortunately, he has passed on in 2014, so we are not able to get him on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're going to run into that a lot because, you know, a lot of the actors and and people that worked on the show are are advanced in age these days. And we're trying to get them on the show before they leave this mortal coil. Yeah, I think we I think we went over a lot of that at the very beginning of the show with a lot of the writers and producers and creators of this show. When John and anyone turns into a werewolf in this episode, it's it's done this slow, incredibly slow down motion, which I honestly really hate. I I've after four episodes, I'm like, this is like, why do we keep doing this? What is this? Bu-? It's called bullet time today, when the bullet's fired and it's slowly making its way to its target. You know, they did that in the Matrix a lot. Now we have this mm-hmm. werewolf transformation where it's all very slow, but the sound doesn't, you know, sync up to it. It's kind of like watching something on your TV that's playing on your Alexa device, and <laughs> it's not syncing very well. Uh, true, but remember one of our uh, interviewees, uh, our stuntman, Tony, said that they use the same type of footage over and over and over again. So I'm, I've been keeping an eye for it, so, but that might be one of the reasons why they're using slow-mo for those scenes. John escapes after he, you know, helps the guy off the mortal coil, and that's it. It's the end of the episode. Yeah, we get into a little bit more of the backstory of Scorzeni. Um He does have a unnaturally long life, um, although I wouldn't call it immortal per se. He still looks at just as he did in the pictures that they sh- that they showed that it was supposed to be like 50 or 60 years old, and he still looks the same. Uh, and Renfield wants his power, but then at the end, right, you know, finds out he doesn't want a power, and then Eric kills him out of mercy. Um, so yeah, it wasn't a very exciting episode. Um, yeah, not not one of my favorites. Nope. So why don't we move on to episode five, Spectre of the Wolf. Spectre of the Wolf, season one, episode five. Originally aired August 8th, 1987. Eric seeks help from college professor Dr. Victor Victor Diothelis, who has written a book about werewolves throughout the ages. But Alamo Joe has already warned him about Eric and his crimes. This episode kind of pissed me off a little bit. Why? Because... This professor has written a 300-page book on werewolves and has the opportunity to study a werewolf, has cameras on him during the transformation, knows that Eric is a werewolf, and then at the very end of the episode, erases all the documentation that proves that Eric is a werewolf. That just pisses me off. Maybe you just think the world's not ready for the truth, and no matter what, it's not really going to help Eric's cause. No, but... I mean, don't forget, Eric's a wanted man for a murder he didn't commit. It's it's kind of like the, it's the Incredible Hulk plotline and the plotline to the fugitive. It is, it is. Uh, but if I was studying this, 
I would at least hold copies for myself so that I could watch that transformation over and over and over again and know that there are things in this world that even though I might have been on the right track in my werewolf book, that it justifies my whole study. You know, it, it to justify your whole career with like two minutes of videotape, that would have been just priceless to someone who's really interested in that. But he just deletes it all, says that he doesn't believe that this man killed any man, you know, and believes Eric's story that he killed a werewolf and got this wound from that, from his best friend. I, I it, it just, it just pisses me off from that, you know. He spends the entire episode trying to convince this professor that he is a werewolf, and then his professor is kind of thinking that he is a mental case calls the police on him when he's in the in the study chamber, expecting that this to, is just going to be like, oh, we'll tie a bow on it. We're, we're going to send this guy to prison for what his crimes or whatnot. And then confronted with the actual knowledge that there is werewolves in this world and that he is just one of many. Yeah, it it, it astounds me that the professor would do that. But I guess you have to reset the world every at the end of every episode and, and alamo, uh, alamo joe just does basically nothing yeah alamo joe shows up in this one scorsese was in the last one um kind of funny because those are basically the two villains of the show um mm-hmm. until well until later on um we'll get there and um who's our uh our professor which, by the way, this plot line has also been was done before in The Incredible Hulk. It was Banner trying to show somebody that he trusted. It was an old colleague of Banner's. Whereas, like, this guy doesn't know who John is, by the way. He's not, it's not like John went to his school or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so this isn't an old friend of John's. He, 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 he hears about his class. He goes and, he goes and confronts him at his home. Um, in, in most of the episodes of the Incredible Hulk TV show, Banner was already this world renowned scientist, so he had all these connections, and he went to all these different people, just like he would in the Marvel Universe. You know, he'd stop by Tony Stark, he'd stop by Reed Richards' house, he'd stop by, you know, anyone who could help him with his, with his problem. They don't do that plot, they don't do that plot line anymore in the, in the current comics. It's just accepted that Banner is gonna live with this problem. Yeah. Um, our, uh, Professor Dr. Victor Dio Digenothelis. Like, that is a tarot. Very complicated last name to say. Dr. Victor Digenothelis is played by Bern Piven, who has passed on in 2002. Um, but you can see him in Being John Malkovich as Captain Merton, one of the people at the end of the episode trying to get into Malkovich's head uh, before the end of the end of the show, never the end of the movie. Uh, he was also on The Untouchables, as Johnny Torrio. Before he passed on, he was in a movie called Madison as George Wallen in 2001 and Shadow of the Blair Witch, uh, Dr. Clayton Larson. So he's played a lot of doctors, a lot of captains, professors, people of authority. Okay. He just has that type of face. So the the Shadow of the Blair Witch, by the way, was a made-for-TV movie, or sorry, made-for-TV special that capitalized on, like, whether or not the Blair Witch Project actually happened or not, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because they were, like, there was always that speculation. This is, don't forget, this is the infancy of the internet, where people are getting online to look it up or whatever. So there was a whole Blair Witch website, and there was, like, po- wanted posters up, you know, looking for the, the three hikers. Um, mm-hmm. They were kept out of the limelight, except for when they went on freaking late night talk show hosts, take talk shows with Jay Leno. By the way, all three of these people are going to be at a convention coming up soon. So, 
Yeah, Heather and the other two. Uh, Heather's the, Josh, Heather, and I forget what the other one, the one's name is. But all three will be at a convention coming up. The first time they've been reunited in, like, years. Uh, but I wow. digress. But he is the professor in this that talks about the history of the Blair Witch. So I thought that was very funny that in this movie, this, this sorry, this TV show, he's the expert on werewolves. And in the Blair Witch TV special, he's the expert on the Blair Witch. <laughs> you know, he just has that face. He has this, like, I know what I'm talking about. You must listen to me type of face. Okay. <laughs> hey, you know. <laughs> he's, a prof- he's got professor face, I guess. Yeah, you know. There's resting bitch face and there's, there's resting professor face. One thing that I do have to commend him on is he does do a, a session of hypnosis with Eric. And through this hypnosis session, we see a lot of the clips from the pilot uh, where the transformation is friend's head, etc. Um, but in this hypnosis session, he gets this idea that Eric really believes everything that he's telling him. And he uses the technique where he's like, uh, you know, spinning the, the watch or whatnot to put Eric under. And I, I don't have any complaints as to how the, hypnotic session was actually conducted. I do hypnosis myself and sometimes that's one of the critical sticking points that I have with things, but this one was done pretty well. And he doesn't do any sort of leading questions, which is a no-no in hypnosis. He doesn't do any leading questions. He allows Eric to to experience the the incident, but then he pulls the emotion out of it. You know, as if Eric is watching a movie. And I think that was actually done very well. You but under- it doesn't it doesn't convince the professor that he is not a nutcase though. You've been under hypnosis before? Oh many times. I also do hypnosis. Did you I, reveal I yourself to be did you reveal yourself to be Marie Antoinette in a previous life? No, no, no not at okay. all. Okay. No. It's uh, there is a lot that goes into doing a hypnotic regression and one of the things that a hypnotist needs to be mindful of is the words that you use while someone is under hypnosis are very critically, critically important. So you cannot instill some sort of ideas into someone's head under hypnosis by, by the phrasing of a question. And you also can't use contractions also. The, the brain doesn't really understand contractions very well. Neither does um, Alexa. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or aliens on pop culture. You know, they cannot use contractions. Um, did you, um, do you also use hypnosis in anything sexual? I have before. I don't currently at the moment because I don't have a submissive that enjoys that at the moment. But, uh, yeah, I have used it to make people feel more of their masculine side or more of their feminine side. I've used it to help people, uh, with food aversions, with sexual trauma, with child abuse, with sexual child abuse with um, overcoming fears, allowing people to feel as if they've gotten more sleep than they actually have, which is great for people who are studying during their graduate programs. Um, And I've also used it for uh, to instill trigger buttons for people to generate orgasms by, like, pinching their finger. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's pretty fun if you're really open to it. But no one can be hypnotized unless they want to be hypnotized. 
Uh, it's not something that you can force someone to. You can't force someone to kill someone else under hypnosis unless they are naturally inclined to do so. You mean I can't hire you to become to help me with my Manchurian candidate project? No, no. Unfortunately, that doesn't work. You know, but what if I want to, to put my brain into the body of a black person? That doesn't work either, although I do have to commend that movie for their illustration of what hypnosis feels like, because it oh. definitely feels like how they portray it in, in that movie. Gotcha. Okay. Well, neither one of those things will work. Oh, well. Okay. So moving on. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, if you were if you were trying to create a Manchurian candidate, you would also have to instill very, very hardcore um, trauma and... Um, mental, I, I guess, mental strain to the point where you actually break someone's brain and that they don't really know what reality is. And that type of thing is just, whoa, yeah, that's something the government might try to do, but a, a little certified hypnotherapist wouldn't be able to pull off. When John falls asleep, he turns into a werewolf, and the episode pretty much ends. There's no, like... One thing I want to point out for all these episodes that we've seen, the exception of the pilot, um, there's no, like, they end so abruptly, too. And it's always, like, on the shot of usually, like, the werewolf. Um, Like, we need to be reminded of the show. And uh, I I just, I don't know if that was just a case of bad editing or bad writing or just how Fox wanted it. I'm not really sure. But every episode ends almost the exact same way. And it, that feeling of that abrupt end of the episode, like, I really want another half an hour to see Eric be pursued by the cops and then, you know, getting away from the cops after this and the professor helping him out to get away in some point. Like, this seemed like it was the first two thirds of a proper storyline. And you're missing the end. And I, I do wish that if we had a second season, that was going to be the plan to expand these to an hour episode, because that would have been a really nice length of time to sit with a story and a plot and have a resolution that feels good instead of just whoop, cutting credits. You know, gotcha. it does feel a little jarring. Well, that's all the notes I have for this uh, this this episode. It's a bit, it's better than the last one, and it definitely gave us a really interesting character who, unfortunately, I don't think we ever see again, which is too bad. Yes, unfortunately, no. The professor kind of washes his hands the whole thing and, I guess, pretends it doesn't exist. What the fuck? <laughs> that's all the notes I have for this episode of the Dead TV Podcast coverage of episodes four and five of Werewolf the Series. You can find us on the Dead TV Podcast Facebook page, or you can send us an email, thatradiohorror at gmail.com. Do not go to the Radio Horror Facebook page. It is unfortunately hacked. If you happen to know somebody who is working with Facebook and can reach out to us and verify that we can verify that this isn't bullshit, I would love access to that page back. I was told the only way you're going to get it back is if you're going to find somebody who works at Facebook. But you got to be careful. But the page is already gone, so it's just like, fuck it, I don't care. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. So you, so you can't go to Facebook.com slash Radio of Horror because that is... Someone else is in control of that. It's pornographic meta-business thing now, because people are getting porn spammed to them, and I'm like, great. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway. It's, it's quite unfortunate that they're using your name. Yeah. Well, they're not using my name. They're using the radio show's page. Oh, it's, so. it's the, they, your website address is still on there. Your your information is still on there. They didn't change any of that. They just changed the business company name and the picture. 
And that's yeah. all they did. And now they're just, you know, spamming your 4,000 followers with porn. It's yep. awful. Yep. So a lot of people are blocking it, which isn't helping any either. If I ever get it back, because then I'll have to like make the big, you know, anyway, it's just, it's just a giant mess. Do not go to Radio Horror. You can report the page as fraudulent or something like that, but I was told that's not helping any either. So I don't know, but I digress. You can also follow me on Twitter at ChrisDSAV, and we'll be back in another couple of weeks with another exciting episode of Werewolf the Series. Don't forget also to like, subscribe, comment, uh, leave reviews or anything on any of the platforms that run Amazon, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, iTunes. Um, we're on a few different ones that are kind of floating out there, weird ones like uh, iHeartRadio and stuff like that. So wherever you happen to listen to us, let us know on the Facebook page or through the email. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Good night. Good night.